If you need a Bible, raise your hand and you could turn to Jeremiah 29, um, starting verse 1. I love Jeremiah 29. Uh, I get to teach from it today. If I had a third kid, I would name that kid Jeremiah 29. That's how I love <laughs> Jeremiah 29. And so um, the title of this talk is Shalom of the City uh, and the Shalom of Self. And also during this time, we highlight the work of New Life CDC and God's heart for the poor and marginalized. Um, just some pictures of the programming that's under that uh, organization, the food pantry, the health center, um, YG's Young Governors, Girl Scouts, um, after school that takes place on a daily basis, Cub Scouts, ESL, and success groups. Um, when you watched the video, some of you were probably wondering, where are the kids in that video? So shut the lights, see the part two that features the children and the youth. Don't believe the lie that says you're worthless. Place your trust in the one who says you're worth it. At New Life CDC, find new community. Stay a while, hear the knock of new opportunity. For you, your daughter, your son, your kids, they'll do well here. There will be no lids placed on what is possible. School success stories aren't myths, not apocryphal. Opportunities aren't dead. Cancel that funeral. Education has value. Leave ignorance for burial. They'll display leadership that's masterful. Youth organizing, part of the arsenal. Don't believe the lie that says you're worthless. Confia en él. Que dice, Reimagine a brighter future with you in it. Why seek a better neighborhood when you can create it? Right here, in Queens, Corona, Elmhurst, we might be named last, but the last shall be first. Build houses, plant gardens, paint murals. I have many plans for you, not singular, but plural. Use the gifts I put inside you. You're destined to lead and push through. With great works planned in advance for you to do, the flourishing life is meant for you. I'll use your heart and hands and make all things new. Reimagine a place with people renewed. You're different now, no longer destitute. Don't believe the lie that says you're worthless. Place your trust in the one who says you're worth it. Amen. Amen. And so um, this work is part of the missional value, uh, the fifth M of, of New Life Fellowship. In Jeremiah 29, um, there's this beautiful uh, mandate that you see on the screen there, uh, to seek the peace and prosperity or shalom of the city that you're in. It's a beautiful mandate. And um, why is this... Well, why is this important for us today? All uh, I need to do is um, look at the news and see what's happening in the cities around the world, and I see this lack of shalom. Uh, I hear the words like um, violence, uh, protests, poverty, eviction, rioting, deportation, and clearly there's this lack of shalom and what we need today is a people, a people who are guided by this mandate, people who are guided by Jeremiah 29, as opposed to 
of people who are just looking out for themselves. As opposed to folks who believe that it's every man or every woman for himself or herself. And so the question for us, just as I go through is, is um, what, what guides you? Uh, does this mandate guide you or does something else guide you maybe? Um, what guides you when you choose a neighborhood to live in? Uh, is it this on the screen? Uh, what guides you when you choose the, the job that you choose? What guides you when you choose a school for your kids? Jeremiah 29 provides really great insight on how to live missional lives in the place where you're at, in the workplace, the school, the street, the city, the state that you're in. It provides really great insight. And so just to give some background before I turn to uh, that chapter, um, if, you, if you look here, this is, this is Judah, uh, where Jerusalem is on the left side of the screen, and then Babylon um, on the right side. And Jeremiah 29 has the content of a letter um, written by God through Jeremiah to the people of Judah and Jerusalem who are in Babylon. And so you're wondering, what are the people of Judah, what are these folks from Jerusalem doing 500 miles away in Babylon? The distance from New York and Detroit. Babylon is in modern-day Iraq. What are, what are they doing there? And the reason why is because Babylon came in, destroys the city of Jerusalem, and it sacks the city. It burns the city, destroys the city of Jerusalem, and then forcibly carries out the people of Jerusalem into Babylon, into forced labor. And so that's what's happening. They're forced to work for a government that's not theirs. And so not only are they away from home, but their home has been destroyed. And the world as they knew it was, there, was in ruins. And so it's in that context that the people of Jerusalem in Babylon received this letter in Jeremiah 29. And so let's turn there. This, by the way, is just a, um, a rendering of the people of God coming away from a Jerusalem being destroyed. And here's Jeremiah 29, the content of this letter, starting in verse 1. It reads, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders, surviving because many people have died. Surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to, from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother and the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. And so skipping to the content of the letter now. So it said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so here's the letter. God writes to his people and he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, and here's the mandate, seek, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Amen. 
And so there are three questions that I just want to use to be able to lead us in our time. Three questions. The first is, who is this message for? Uh, the second is, what am I supposed to do now that I'm here in this, in this condition, in this state, in this city, um, or in this job, in this family? What am I supposed to do? And then thirdly, what is my motivation? And so just for the first one, I know that if we begin to identify ourselves with the exiles who are in Babylon, uh, you will receive a lot from this passage. And so just a couple of ways that you can begin to identify with the exiles here. Uh, the first, if, if, if you're an immigrant in this room, or if you're a transplant maybe from another city, and now in New York City, uh, there's a message here for you. Or if you're a follower of Christ and you believe that you're in this world, but you're not of this world, and you believe that you're just passing through, there's a powerful message here for you to do. And then thirdly, if you like, you're like these exiles, uh, you feel like you're in a hostile work environment, or maybe in a, an oppressive environment in general, I pray that today you hear from God. And then there are some of you, maybe that picture of uh, Jerusalem and destruction and the background there, maybe this is a picture of a part of your life. Maybe there currently are ruins, quote-unquote, and there are ruins maybe in the area of work, uh, maybe in relationships, uh, maybe in your family, or in your school, or maybe when it comes to you thinking about your future, you see ruins. There's a message here for you. And so the second question is really important because the second question, it's really a universal question. Um, now that I'm here in this state, in this condition, what am I supposed to do? What can guide me? And that's where we look to this letter. In verse 4 of this letter, um, it starts out with a set of instructions. So in verse 4 it says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. And then it goes on to say, increase in number where you are. Now, this is, this is very confusing. This is very confusing because the people in Babylon are experiencing this period of a disciplinary act by God. And the reason they're there is because of their rebellion and because of their sin. And so they were carried off into exile into Babylon. And so one way of looking at it is that the people in Babylon from Jerusalem are in this one long and painful period of timeout. Is one way to see it. And so you would think that God would be saying, I'm sending you out there because of the consequences of your offenses, and I'm carrying you off into exile until you pass from this earth. That would make more sense to me. But God instead says, where I have carried you, I want you to grow roots. That is so confusing. I want you to build houses and plant gardens there. If I'm, an, if, if I'm uh, a person from Jerusalem, um, I'm carried off into this terrorist country, um, subscribing to Better Homes and Gardens is the last thing on my mind. I would rather burn this city down just like what they did to my city. And yet God says, don't destroy this city, add to it. That's part of what it means to be on mission, isn't it? 
And so let's apply this to ourselves for a moment. Imagine you're settling into a new neighborhood. I know for me, what's, um, what's, uh, what's a typical thing I ask? Um, what is something that I can get from this neighborhood? Uh, does it have great restaurants, stores, the best schools? Isn't that, aren't those the questions that we ask? And yet, if we apply this to our own setting, it's like asking God, God, what can I add to this place? What, what can I do to improve the school? What can I do so that I'm actually part of creating or preserving affordable housing? Well, how can I partner with others so that we can actually maybe create a park or do something as simple as planting a tree? Growing up, I never asked those questions. I would ask, is it close to the train? Close to the bus? Does it have really good food there? And yet God says, add to the physical environment of the place where I've sent you. And I like, I like the example of the, um, of the young governors at the top, top left screen there. Um, there, was a, there was a wall uh, that many of you uh, have seen in the past. It's on Neeland Avenue. Um, and many of us would pass by this wall and it would just be nasty. Um, so much graffiti on it. The owners kept on uh, painting over it. Um, how many times did we go um, to the owner of this wall saying, hey, listen, if you put a mural there, people will leave it and respect it. And what drove me and what drove many of us was Jeremiah 29. To be able to add, to build gardens, uh, build houses, plant gardens, add, add to the physical environment that you're in. And so on the bottom left is that mural. Many of you pass by this mural. It's three blocks from here. That was started uh, by new lifers, young governors, local junior high school collaborating because they believed in adding to the physical environment of the place that they were in. And then now um, um, there's actually a wall that belongs to an owner who's now given us permission to be able to do another one in Lefrak City. Many of you live there, it's on 57th Avenue, go downstairs, um, we need help in being able to add value to our environment. And then also, I'm, I'm really excited about um, Queen's Power. Queen's Power is an organization that New Life CDC recently joined. It's made up of 30 plus churches that is looking to add value to the borough of Queens in collaboration with nonprofits and mosques. And the hope is that together, we can actually preserve or create more affordable housing for our families. And some of you, that resonates so much with you. Um, again, go downstairs, Queen's Power, to find out more about what's, what that's about. And so now going back to this passage, um, the set of instructions uh, continues. It says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So in the verse uh, before that, uh, in verse 6, God says multiply, first of all. Don't put a cap on your numbers, God says. And then as you multiply, face outward. Meaning, don't face inward and simply seek the peace of your own family and your own people. He says, no. He says, seek the peace of the city. Pray for the city because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
What a beautiful revelation of the heart of God. God was showing that he didn't just love the people of Judah and Jerusalem, he also loved Babylon. His love extends to all of humanity, to all the nations in this globe. What a heart. And now, when the people of God heard this, this is very confusing to the mind of the exile. The reason why is because peace and prosperity, that word uh, in the Hebrew is called it's shalom. Beautiful, beautiful word. And in the mind of the exile, shalom is for Jerusalem. It's where the presence of God is. It's where the temple of God is. In fact, the name Jerusalem has the word shalom in it. It's Jerusalem. It's the city of peace. And so can you imagine you are now brought and trafficked in to this terrorist nation, and then God says, seek the shalom of this city. This is the heart of God when it comes to the nations. And so imagine how difficult it was for the people that were reading and hearing this letter. And I think if we were to be uh, honest, uh, I think this is difficult Uh, for us as well. I think if we were to be honest, seeking the shalom of the city could be difficult. I, I think we would say that we would all be for the idea of seeking the peace and prosperity of the neighborhood that you're in. I mean, who would say no to that? But I think the way that we behave could indicate differently. I know for me, my default is not the shalom of the city, but rather the shalom of self. A pursuit of peace and prosperity for me or for my family only. And I know, I know this because um, the, 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 the pursuit of shalom of self um, can easily disguise itself and call itself the American dream. Someone say, ouch. I'm thankful for many parts of the American dream. It's the reason why my parents brought me here. It's the reason why I came. Um, I first landed in in Elmhurst, Queens, and New York City is where Jesus came and found me. And so I'm very uh, thankful for for those parts of the American dream. But, and yet, if we look at the American dream, there are things about the American dream uh, that are seriously deficient. Because if we're about the American dream, it's about hard work for material gain and material prosperity. And if you notice, it is silent. It is silent about generosity. It is silent about compassion for the poor. It is silent about serving others. And if we as a people of God buy in without identifying its strengths and also noting its deficiencies, if we totally buy in without challenging it or engaging it, we will be sick, spiritually speaking. And so here's the dilemma then. Um, We know that it's good to be able to seek shalom, and yet we can easily default to the shalom of self. And so that leads us then to the third question. Um, What is my, my, what's my motivation? How? How did, how did God move his people toward mission 
in an enemy country. And in verse 10 to 12, it shows. He says, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. Uh, My good promise, beautiful phrase, to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you. A lot of you guys have this, these verses on your screens, on your phones, written on your notebooks, famous, very comforting words of God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God promises shalom to his people. And so he says, you seek the shalom of city, the city. Why? Because you will experience my shalom for you. What I do for you and other nations, I want you to do where you are. What he's saying is you will experience my shalom for you. Ruins will be restored. That's his good promise. But it doesn't end there. Um, we know that God made good on, his, on this good promise because Jerusalem was restored and shalom was reestablished. But that was just a good shalom based on a good promise. There is actually a grand shalom based on a grand promise. And if you get the grandness of this grand shalom based on a grand promise, you will be eager. You will be eager to seek the shalom of the place where you're in. And so what's this grand shalom and this grand promise? It's actually in that same passage in Jeremiah 29. In Jeremiah 29, when, when it, um, God says, uh, build houses and plant gardens, Jeremiah was actually referencing another passage from Isaiah chapter 65. He was referencing a passage in Isaiah 65 written 100 years prior. And it also has those phrases, build houses, plant gardens. But in Isaiah 65, it talks about a very different kind of world in a very different kind of setting. And it's important for us to know this because Jeremiah is referencing this passage. And so I just want to go there real fast. In Isaiah 65, it says, in this kind of world that Isaiah is now describing, which Jeremiah is referencing, it's a very different kind of world that he's talking about. He says, God says, in that place... The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. What is this place? There's no weeping. There's no crying. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. There will be no more deaths among children. An old man who does not live out his years. They will build, there's the phrase. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. This is what Jeremiah 29 was referencing. And so what is, this, what is this world that Isaiah 65 is talking about? And then it says, no longer will they build houses and others live in them. For me, that's no more gentrification. Or plant and others eat. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their labor. There's no more labor and justice. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. That means there's no more generational failure. And so what kind of world is this? There's no more deaths. There's no more injustice. There's no more weeping. What is this world? This world is the new heavens and the new earth. That's what this world is. 
And we see it in that same passage. It says in that same passage, Isaiah 65, that Jeremiah is referencing, God is saying, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice. For how long? Forever in what I will create. And so if the good, if the good promise, if the good promise for the, for the people of Jerusalem is you will experience my shalom for you, ruins will be restored, in that same passage in Jared 29 has this grand promise. And the grand promise is that you will experience my grand shalom for you. All things, this is addressed to all of humanity, all things in ruin will be made new. And so it's almost like Jeremiah was saying, God was saying through Jeremiah, listen, I have a good promise for you, Jerusalem will be restored, but you really ain't seen nothing yet. There is a grand shalom that is to come. Now, as he was saying this, or as we go through this, we see what a, big, what a big word of hope for us in whatever situation you're in. God promises a good shalom for the people, but he promises this grand shalom for all of humanity. It communicates that whatever brokenness that you see in the world will not last. Now, when Jesus came, when Jesus came, everything changes. When Jesus came, he was showing that he was now in the midst of this grand promise being fulfilled. He was now demonstrating that this grand promise is now being fulfilled. Think about it for a moment when Jesus came. When Jesus came, the sick were healed, the dead were being raised up, the lepers were cleansed, demons were getting cast out, Sins were being forgiven. What was happening? There was a renewal that was now taking place. There was a renewal that was now could be experienced by the people who were following Jesus. And then when he died and when he resurrected, my goodness, I mean, he was demonstrating that he is the grand promise. He is the only religious leader who made a forecast and made a prediction that I will die and I will rise again on his own. He is the only one. And so what he was demonstrating was, I am the grand promise. I am the one who is able to make all things new. This is what he was showing. He demonstrated that anything that is dead can now be made alive. Jesus Christ was demonstrating that anything in ruin can now be restored. Jesus, in essence, said, nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me from breathing new life. Nothing can stop me from restoring any ruin. Nothing can stop me from making all things new. That's what Jesus Christ was demonstrating when he came. Now, all of this applies to every single person in this room. And though he lived 2,000 years ago, this absolutely applies to everyone in this room. Because the good news is that every single person who who believes in him and follows him is able, has access to that renewal. That's how it applies to you. In fact, Jesus said it. 
In Jeremiah, oh, in John 11, 25, I know I'm getting a little excited. I told you I would name my third kid after this. This is beautiful. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, meaning those that turn from the shalom of self and trust in me and believe that I'm a savior, I'm the one renewing all things, he will live even though he dies. This absolutely applies to every single person in this room because even though you feel that you're in exile, you're in a state where uh, you don't want to be in or you're not supposed to be in, this grand promise, the renewal of all things is for you. Even though you might be in ruins when it comes to your family, um, your relationships with your friends, uh, maybe at your workplace, or even you're in ruins in your relationship with God, I'm here to tell you there is restoration through Jesus Christ because he is the grand promise. And if you're a follower of Christ, you might be in ruins and you think it lasts long, but I'm here to tell you you're a follower of Christ. It will not last. It will not last. Whether in this world or the next, He is the one who renews all things. And so um, I'll I'll give you just this episode, this snapshot in my life where um, I began to experience this. Uh, It was in my 20s. I was absolutely chasing the shalom of self uh, in, in the workplace, trying to climb that corporate ladder. And just when I got close to the top, I just felt so empty. I felt so empty. And then thank God because um, Jesus came. And he came to me. Uh, he came to me in this, this whisper um, through the community around me. And I felt like he leaned in and he whispered, I can make all things new. I can make all things new. And that's a word for many of you in this room. You've been seeking the shalom of self. And it's a false prophet. It's a fake God. Jesus, he is the one who makes all things new. And so I had to turn. I had to repent. I had to turn, uh, repent, receive his forgiveness for seeking the shalom of self. And then you know what I did? Um, I didn't look for anything big. All I did at that point was I began to pursue the shalom of my workplace. Just recognizing that it is the shalom of Christ that brings me renewal, and I began to feel that renewal, and that's when I, I, just, I was just pursuing the shalom of my workplace, driven again by Jeremiah 29. And then it was in that space where I, I was actually content that then I receive this invitation to apply to be part of New Life CDC. And so it was in that space uh, that I accepted the, dr- the job of the director, and now there is this privilege to be able to work for the shalom of this neighborhood where I first landed as a son of immigrant parents. It's a sign of this shalom, this working, this renewing power of Jesus Christ. And so how can I, how can I not? How can I not 
So receive the shalom of Christ and then not show it to others. How can I not? And so there, there are some of you, um, you, you get a, there, there's a hunger pang for shalom. There's a hunger pang for it. You see the world around you and you weep or you're burdened and you don't know what to do about it and so you, you just move on to the next thing. And, and yet, there's this something in you that wants to do something about the injustice in the world or on your block or in your school and in your workplace. And you wonder, what, what is that? Is that just, uh, just uh, the way that uh, I've been trained growing up or the way that my culture speaks to me? What, what is that desire? I'll tell you what, that's, what that is. It's the renewing power of Jesus Christ desiring to work through you to make all things new. That's what that is. He desires to use every follower of Jesus Christ and even non-followers of Jesus Christ because of his promise to all of humanity. He is desiring to use you to be able to make all things new. How can we, how can we not in light of who he is and what he does? I want to show you this one picture and just how this um, is, is working, its, working its way out in the family of one um, New Life family. This is Ben in the middle, Ben Arroyo. Um, I show this with permission. Uh, this is a shot in the Shell Room several, several months ago. And many of you have just heard in the news um, that there are thousands of kids being separated from their parents in the southern border of the U.S. Um, and for many of you, that breaks your heart. Um, and, and rightfully so, just seeing the pictures or videos of these kids separated from mom or dad in these detention centers. These kids uh, on the screen are a few of those thousands. And so Ben Arroyo's family actually took them in. What an example of seeking shalom of the city, of this nation, of this world. And now I can, I can be um, really moved by this, um, and, I, and I was, um, when, these came to, when these kids came to New Life several months ago, um, I thought they were just regular neighborhood kids. I couldn't tell. Um, and yet, um, I knew that there was this, all this hidden pain inside of them. Imagine being in a country that you don't know, a city that you don't know, separated in this age from your parents. And we hear this, and many of you are moved to compassion. But I want you to know that the ultimate, I believe that the ultimate motivation is to first of all recognize that you are one of these kids. And let me just explain that. There's a one point in your spiritual life where you were separated from your heavenly parent. You were distant from God. Exile from this reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ until Jesus came and made himself known to you. He came, despite you being in exile. And that's why you're here today. It's because Christ came to you. And then there are some of you, um, you're like these kids because you come in here from week to week and in you is hidden pain. And no one can tell. Just like these kids, you look at these kids, nobody could tell. Jesus could tell. 
Jesus knows. And the promises for you is, you receive me into your life, watch me make all things new. Not all things perfect, but all things new. There's a difference. And so when you see yourself in this, how can you not, how can you not receive the shalom of Jesus Christ, the shalom of God, his grand promise for all of humanity, and then what are we going to do? We're going to sit in church and just seek the shalom of self? It's, it's laughable. It's laughable. And so just as a way of closing, uh, let me invite the worship team up here. Not everybody's going to be able to um, adopt kids, um, but these are baby steps, uh, being part of New Life CDC. Um, could, be, could be one of the ways. Care for the hungry or the sick, uh, mentoring kids, uh, teenagers, um, creating murals at Left Rack or fighting for affordable housing through Queen's Power. Um, these are, this pursuit of shalom, these are signs of the renewing work of Jesus Christ. And you know, let me just end this with one thought. Uh, for me, this is especially meaningful uh, because the work is among the poor, the marginalized in our community. And we live in a time where um, just so many immigrants are getting deported and more and more uh, there are caps and limitations on the number of refugees that can enter into a country. More and more there are caps, um, there are limitations on the immigrants that are, that are moving from one country to the next. And if you're an immigrant in this room, it's so easy to feel like you are not wanted when you hear this news. I wanna let you know that just like the video says, don't believe the lie that says you're worthless. Jesus Christ died for you because you are worth it. And we've always maintained that the immigrant is an asset and not a burden. And that you too, we too, are contributors to the shalom of the city that we're in. And in fact, there are Bible heroes who would say amen to this. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Daniel were immigrants as well. And that's pretty good company, isn't it? Would you stand so I could pray for you? We'll sing and then Rich can come up. Just by way of next steps, again, on the bottom of the screen there, you can go to the Shell Room, um, find out what these programs are about. Um, you can sign up to volunteer. Um, you could buy a t-shirt. I hear it's selling out, $5. Even if you're not in Queens, show love. And so you can find out more about programming. Would you bow your heads as I just pray? Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that you gave the good promise to the people in Babylon. But Father, here and now, you give us the grand promise. And Father, you demonstrated the truth of that grand promise when you sent your son. And you continue to demonstrate the reality of that promise because even now we're still experiencing that renewal. And Father, you invite us to be part of it. So for this, we're grateful. We thank you, Lord God. And so we sing this song in response and worship unto you. And everybody said, amen.
Let's thank Red for blessing us this morning. Let's have our prayer team come to my left. Invite those who are going to offer the bread and the cup to come to my right. I love that verse. I love what we just sang. Because notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, I'm making all new things. He says, I'm making all things new. And there's a difference. He doesn't say, wipe it all out. Let's start from scratch. He says, no, I'm going to take whatever's there. And I'm going to make it new. And that's what God does with our life, doesn't he? He takes where we're at, who we are, our struggles, our deficiencies, and says, I'll I'll use this. And he does the same with our neighborhood as well. I'm grateful for this message and for this CDC Sunday because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the church is only the church when it exists for others. And I am so grateful that God has given us really the privilege of serving people in this community. It's a great privilege to serve people who the world often overlooks, who the world doesn't see. It's a great privilege. And, and the church should be at the center of this. And I think about my own life and, and the neighborhood I grew up in and how the church was involved in ways that I never knew until recently. I grew up in the East New York section of Brooklyn for over 30 years. I lived on Elton Street between Pitkin and Glenmore for about 30 33 years or so and in the 80s and 90s it was one of the more dangerous neighborhoods to live in I'm reading a book right now called how East New York became a ghetto that at some some point in the 60s and 70s that it fell into some significant urban decay and a lot of people turned their backs on East New York the government turned their back on East New York so many different people turned their back because of they're those people but yet what I've discovered in reading this book is that what, ha- what was a faithful presence over and over throughout the decades were so many people from the church who said, we're going to stay here and we're going to work to see this neighborhood renewed. Now, I come from a, a neighborhood where I saw many teenagers killed. I saw men and women overdose on drugs. And yet, even though I had a strong family unit, I recognize over the past couple of weeks and listening to Red this morning that it was because of the church and their presence in that neighborhood why I was able to go on a particular trajectory of my life. Why? Because the church was saying, no, we're going to work to get youth programming in this neighborhood. That I had a place to play basketball after school. I had a place to do extracurricular activities and recreation so I wasn't in the street. I had summer youth jobs. Instead of just walking around the street aimlessly, someone secured funding and said, you know what, we're going to do all we can to renew this neighborhood. And so I am who I am by the grace of God and by people who behind the scenes said, we're not giving up on this neighborhood. And New Life Fellowship, over 32 years, we we are a regional church with a local focus. We have folks coming from all over the city, but our commitment for over 25 years has been, we want to see Elmhurst, this area here, by the grace of God, we want to see this area flourish because God has sent us here. We want to see the peace and prosperity 
of all who live in this neighborhood. And so whether you live in this neighborhood or whether you don't, as a community, we are committed to the flourishing of this neighborhood. And one of the ways you can do that is by taking the next step of service. Downstairs, as I mentioned, you can go right down there. There's some opportunities to serve. And we want you to take the next step there or give whatever you can to help us to make things new in the name of Jesus. To my left, we have our prayer team. For some of you, your life is in ruins right now. And you're wondering, can God do anything with me? And the answer is yes, in the name of Jesus. And you came in here discouraged. You came in here hopeless. That's why we have a prayer team here to pray for you. For whatever needs you have, we'll pray for you. And we have the Lord's table here where we come, we take bread, and we dip it in a cup. We, we remember that Jesus Christ experienced the ruin of the cross so that we may experience the renewal that comes in his life. And when we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, we're saying, Lord Jesus, you took on our ruin that we may have life and peace and prosperity and so and shalom. And so whether you come for prayer, for whatever needs you have, whether you come for the Lord's table, we want to invite you to come forward and we want to see you downstairs in the showroom. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And may we be a people marked by shalom that we work for the shalom of this city, the shalom of this neighborhood, the shalom of our workplaces, what we can add to it wherever we go. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, working for the shalom of this great city. And may God use you in great power to be an agent of peace in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your home. And may the world around you experience the peace and prosperity that comes in the name of Jesus. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the renewing name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.